Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with Cheese. I'm your host, Cheese, a.k.a. Adrian. My guest here with me is Jake Harris. Jake, what's going on, man? What is going on, Cheese? Just having a good time here down in Bloomington. It's a pleasure having me on here, man. I'm excited. Yeah, anytime. So, guys, Jake Harris, he's a really good friend of mine. And we met through a mutual friend. His name's Alec Craig, and he's one of my best friends. And Jake can say for himself that that's one of his best friends as well. And Jake, just tell us a little bit about yourself to the audience. Well, so I am a um, I'm a senior here at IU. I graduate in December. Um, I played junior college baseball with Alec Craig, who you're referring to, uh, my first two years of college. So that's how I met him. Um, we became close, and then you know I ended up meeting Cheese when he came down to hang out with us. I'm in good old Danville, um, but I'm just pursuing a, a business administrations degree. Um, just looking to get out of here, you know, explore the world a little bit, see what my opportunities are. Um, you know, hopefully be successful, but I love it down here in Bloomington. I've had great opportunities. I mean, you've been down here as well, Cheese, so it's been super fun to hang out with you here. You've had a great time. Go IU, boo Boilermakers. But other than that, you know, things have, things have been going good, and that's a little bit about who I am. Heck yeah, Jake. I like it. And, you know, Jake's not lying. You know, it's, uh, it's always a good time every time when we hang out. And Jake, man, what's your plans after college, man, if, if you don't mind me asking you? Um, no, not at all. I, um, I've, I've got a couple options in the works. Uh, there's a few things going on in terms of communication for, you know, future jobs and stuff. Um, I worked a pretty cool internship the past couple of years for a home renovations company and, you know, the upper management really enjoys having me. Um, so it's nice to have an option like that to fall back on. Um, but you know, the one thing I really want to do is sales. So I'm just going to, you know, kind of stay in the looks of doing sales positions. You know, I don't want to be in Indiana. I want to move out somewhere, you know, see new people, see new things. So, um, my whole goal is to, you know, get into sales and, you know, eventually move out of the state of Indiana and, you know, be successful and, you know, see the world while I'm young. I love it, Jake. You know, why not? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then, Jake, man, you have the skills of sales. You're outgoing. You're very social. So I have no doubt that you can do this. You know, you just got, it's all up to you, man. Absolutely, geez. So the purpose of this episode, guys, is to talk about a little bit more of a little bit about, you know, some crazy experiences that Jake has already experienced or yet have to experience so far in this short time of the semester already. And also we're going to talk about the AFC South of the NFL. So first of all, Jake, man, dude, tell, dude. So like, was it like last week, last Thursday or something like that where you met Mark Cuban? Yeah. So, um, Mark Cuban, obviously an alumni of Indiana University, extremely successful. Everybody knows him from Shark Tank, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, um, owner of them. Really cool guy. Um, the cool thing about me being down at IU is when I first started here as a transfer student, I immediately got into the nightlife in terms of working. Um, you know, I'm not really an early sleeper, so it's easy for me to stay up and, you know, be productive, you know, during the nighttime hours. So, you know, growing up and working through, you know, nightlife, meeting people and stuff like that, you kind of get an inside scoop of, you know, events and people that are coming in before, you know, regular students know about it. Um, and to, you know, kind of go further up the chain a little bit. Last Thursday, um, word was in town that Mark Cuban was visiting and um, he was going around to, you know, all the local bars. I think he was kind of going around to the places that he, you know, had fun at when he was in school here. Um, there's obviously newer places and stuff, but I actually went across the street over to uh, Sports, uh, The Jungle. You know The Jungle Cheese. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, so he uh, he went over there, and I caught word of it. And, you know, I was just like, whatever, I'll go over there and just see him because it's cool to see somebody extremely famous worth billions of dollars, you know, five feet away from you. And I had the luxury of being able to shake his hand. And then um, he went over to Brothers after that, and I, I went over there actually just to go meet some friends, didn't even realize he was going to be there. 
And uh, once he was there, you know, I kind of caught a, you know, brief second where he was kind of by himself. So I just went over there, shook his hand again. And I just, you know, kind of asked him like, you know, hey, you know, I'm a student. Do you have any advice for me? I can't, you know, guarantee that he was 100% sober or anything. But, you know, he was a really, really respectful guy. You know, he, he was very, you know, talkative. Um, he was having a good time. And, you know, meeting somebody like that that you see on TV all the time, it was it was really cool to, like, you know, kind of have a front row seat just to see, like, that he actually is a normal person. He's not, you know, a robot or anything like that. Um, so he's very, very knowledgeable. He likes to have a good time, um, gave me some good advice and shook my hand, and I haven't washed my hands since, so. Yeah, Jake, I was going to ask this question, but you already answered the question for me. I was going to ask, is he human? But you're like, you're like, no, he's just like a normal dude like all of us, and that's just – it's really awesome to hear that, you know, just even though he's a really smart guy, he's a really famous guy, and he's worth like millions, if not billions of dollars. It's just cool to see that, you know, he's human like us and he can, you know, pull us in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then Jake, so why was he, do you know why he was there or he was just there just to visit? Because like you said, he's an alumni. Um, so he actually, he, he goes through uh, phases. I think he comes like twice a year, but I guess it's tradition for him. Once school starts and everybody gets into classes and stuff, I don't know if he has some business that he does here, but every year at the very beginning of the year, he always comes to visit. Um, I think it's, you know, just for him to, you know, put back, you know, what IU gave him. Um, there was, um, he, he went over to Kilroy's, um, you know, patio and hung out. Uh, that earlier on in that night and he actually tipped their whole staff ten thousand dollars out of his own money Um, so I think honestly what he does is I think he just comes you know to have a good time just to see how you know how much the campus is changing and you know for the better and you know everything it has to offer but as well give back to what you know he, he was at one point in time in all of our shoes you know he was a broke college student and a fun fact about him is he actually you know created all of his wealth um, from, he, he actually had no way of listening to IU basketball games when he was in his dorms and he figured out how to connect a, like a dial up phone to like a radio. That way he could create his own station and people that, you know, weren't able to go to the games, um, could actually listen to it. Um, so I think that's, you know, kind of why I think he's just an all around IU guy. I think he just likes to come back, give back to the community, you know, let people know that he hasn't really forgotten about, you know, everything that he you know, has done. And, you know, obviously if I were a billionaire, there'd be a thousand other things that I'd be doing right now, but I would always want to ensure that I come back to the place that built me as a person and, you know, give back and just let people know that, you know, it's, it's okay to be grateful for, you know, your young experiences because it, you know, got him to where he is today. So that, that was kind of cool to see that, you know, he periodically comes back just to, you know, hang out and have fun and give back to the kids that don't have as much as him right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's really gracious and humble of him just to be thankful to where he came from. And like once you said, like, you know, he knows how it's like to be, you know, a college, like hungry, you know, hungry for like greatness. So it's always cool to hear those types of stories. And then uh, also, Jake, he also mentioned on the Full Send podcast that when back when he was in IU, that he would also like, you know, host these like parties and charge what, like $10, $20 a person. And he would make good side money with that. So that so just with what you said. And from what I just said, he's a smart guy since the beginning, man. Yeah. And it's kind of something that like I follow, you know, for my own personal attributes as a person, really, it's, you know, it's the whole marketing aspect. It's the mindset that he gets in to, you know, allow himself to, you know, benefit off of, you know, his choices. So, you know, me as a kid, you know, growing up, I was always the social one, you know, my family, you know, not very social, um, you know, just an average family. My dad's, you know, an extrovert, but my mom and brother are introverts. So I've always been, you know, I've always been in that extrovert sense. So I've always wanted to talk to people. I've played travel baseball, traveled with families, 
um, you know, you know, hanging out with friends, having sleepovers. So I loved always being around people. So, you know, being older now and more mature and having, you know, a financial mindset, um, building up to, you know, my future progress, stuff like that. I really feel like I compare to him just because, you know, he did what he could to allow himself to not, you know, stress about money, you know, stress about certain situations and stuff. So that's why it was really cool to get to know him, you know, from the time that I did have uh, while I was around him, just to, you know, see that what he did at one point in time when he had nothing is something that a lot of us are doing now. Um, but if you stick to it and, you know, you stick to your guts and you, you know, you grow up from your roots of what you learned. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. You can do whatever you want to do. So it's, it's cool to see someone that successful come from the same exact place that I was at at one point in time. Um, so it kind of gives me hope if that makes any sense. So basically Jake, from what you just said, like just that small little meeting, you know, him taking the time to, you know, give you some advice. Does that really like, you know, boost your confidence, really boost your motivation? Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, you know, there's times where I sit back and I stress, you know, as any college student would, I mean, I have student loans uh, as well as, you know, thousands, if not millions of other students across the country, um, even the world. But like I, like I was saying, cheese, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you don't really have to rush anything right now. You know, you sit here and you think about like, you know, wanting to find a job and, you know, wanting to start your life and get going. Um, but, you know, I've had very successful people, you know, in terms of being close family friends or even just, you know, regular people that I've run into. And it's constantly the same thing. Slow down. Don't be in a hurry. You know, figure out what you want to do. But there's plenty of time to do what you want to do. So, you know, it just helps me allow myself to, you know, sit back here and take time to figure out what I want to do with my life. Because should I be in college right now? Probably not. Um, changed my major a couple of times. You know, I've had an opportunity to graduate early, um, but, you know, I'm still here still trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, so just reflecting on Mark Cuban and what he's done, it just ties into everything that I've learned growing up in terms of networking and meeting people. Just slow down, you know, take your time. There's plenty of time to figure out what you want to do with your life. And, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. So that's kind of the motto I got from him. And it was cool to kind of chat with him a little bit and, you know, tie all of that together. Yeah, man. Wise words, Jake, man. Seriously, wise words. So, yeah, man, like, Sometimes, like people our age, since we are the same age, we just have to really think about and say, Man, we're just in our mid 20s, we still have a long life to live, so you know, there's really no rush. And also, Jake, you know, just because you change your major a couple of times, and just because you're like what a fifth year senior, Correct. I mean, everyone has their own story, man, to success. Absolutely. So, so, I don't think like there's no reason for, reason for judgment, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm with you 100%. All right. So, you know, man, that's that's awesome, man, to hear about the Mark Cuban story. So, Jake, you want to tell the audience of what you just heard of of this recording before uh, we started? Yeah. So, Cheese and I have actually had some technical difficulties. Cheese had a pretty bad storm run through his hometown, and we were actually supposed to do this podcast, you know, for the past uh, few days now. Um, finally got his power back on, ready to rock and roll. Um, but it actually worked out great because Cheese and I are huge Nelk Boy fans, and uh, we con constantly rep and worship the full send motto. We love full sending. And um, I am the assistant general manager of Cloud Bar and Grill, and my, my roommate, Matt Norris, is the general manager. And um, Salim the Dream um, from Nelk Boy is one of the main guys um, from the very beginning of it all. He's actually visiting Bloomington. They're going to go around to some of the Greek life properties and, you know, hang out and, you know, do whatever they like to do. We all know that they get pretty reckless. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the Nelk Boys, but their uh, general manager, um, actually reached out to us because our nightclub offers, you know, everything they like to do in terms of partying. And um, I think after Greek life, uh, we got word that they're possibly going to be coming and uh, 
hanging out with us at our nightclub. And that's a, that's a very big um, accomplishment in terms of, you know, our, our workplace, because we had a new GM transition and um, we're kind of newer to it. So if we can, you know, provide that many people and, you know, have that big name in there um, just to have a party, it'll be great, but not even just from a work sense. I mean, like I was saying, she's, we're both full send gods. You know, we love the full send. We love the Nelk boys. Um, Kyle Forgard, my guy, you know, props to you. It's like my role model right there, but it'll be very cool to see them. I've never seen them in person before. Um, hopefully everything falls into place because I'll tell you what, man, I don't think I'll have, have a bigger smile on my face than I will here in about three, four hours. So um, that's some good news I'm looking forward to. And hopefully, hopefully it all falls into place because I will probably go Berserko tonight. Oh, yeah. Damn right. So, Jake, how did that exactly start? Like you told me on the phone before we started this podcast, the something about you were the Nelks marketing manager was on the phone with your GM. How, so tell us a little bit more about that. So um, so it, it kind of works in weird ways, really. Um, they have a lot of people um, in terms of the Nelk boys stationed, you know, nationwide just to help them with events because they obviously travel all the time. And uh, one of their marketing managers had a contact. Uh, there's a sophomore here at Indiana University. Um, not going to mention his name, obviously, um, but he uh, He's in charge of basically booking events for um, like bigger names that come in here because um, Greek life does do a lot of like bigger name, you know, parties, stuff like that. Um, but he happens to know Matt, um, RGM, and had had just uh, we do 18 plus events and there's a few of them that aren't 21 um, and we're able to do that. Um, so it's cool to be able to have a venue to offer to them that, you know, it's not necessarily a bar scene. It's more of just a kind of like hangout area. Um, for people that aren't at the legal age to drink. So um, it'll be cool to set all that up. But basically he he got in contact with, you know, my boss and just kind of asked if it was an option really. And, you know, within probably half a second, we were like, absolutely. Like, let's do this thing. Like, let's go right now. Dude, that's going to bring so many people. Why not? More business. Yeah. So no yeah. boys. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's already been, you know, all over Barstool, Indiana, you know, people are posting about it. Salim's been on his Instagram saying he's going to be here, you know, at like 730 um, so it's it's super cool just because, you know, like I said, both of us have, you know, grown up watching the videos and, you know, buying the uh, shotgun tools and like the T-shirts and the flags and you got your happy dad hat and all that good stuff. So it's just cool to like see all that. You know, we watch their YouTube videos, but now I have an opportunity to be, you know, face to face with them, hopefully meet them, take some pictures. Um, and who knows, man, maybe I'll be in a Nelk Boy video and that would probably make my world. So that's so exciting, man. It makes me smile. Honestly, I'm really happy that, you know, you, hopefully you get experiences because you have yet to experience it. So, you know, knocking wood. So, man, it's just not every day that the typical IU student, you know, one week, Larry sees Mark Cuban and the next week, Larry possibly seeing the Nelk Boys. Just, just so crazy. It just shows you of how much of a, you know, a pretty cool school IU is, and this is coming from a Purdue alumni. Jake, tell me about, you know, just how crazy IU can be. Oh, well, geez, I'm sure you could tell some stories too. Um, but IU is, IU is great. It's, uh, it's definitely a, a place I'm glad I came to. Um, in terms of, you know, education, I've learned a lot, but I think the biggest thing I've pulled out of it really is networking. Um, there's just a lot of different people from all over the place that, you know, you can talk to and get new ideas with. But IU overall as a school, um, Throw it in there way better than Purdue. Go IU. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm not. Anyways, uh, you know, it's just it's just a great time. I mean, people love to go out. There's not really anybody that wants to sit around and do nothing. Um, people get their stuff done, but, you know, from around Tuesday through Saturday, there's always something to do. Um, when it's nice outside, there's great restaurants to go to. 
Um, football games are fun. Our football team hasn't really had a history of being too great, but regardless of, you know, the outcome of the games, you know, everybody comes together, goes to the tailgate fields. And, you know, I'm also looking forward to um, our basketball season. This is the first year and, you know, many years that we actually have a squad that is definitely predicted to, you know, go real deep into the tournament. So if Woodson can, you know, hold his roots and, you know, he's an old IU alum, played, uh, played at IU. Hopefully he can pull trays together. Hopefully Xavier can start behaving and not making mistakes. It's, it's going to be great, really. It's exciting. It's a young, solid team. Trace is, you know, obviously the leader. Um, but all of that, all the athletics and everything ties into all that. So anything in regards to, you know, school, sports, anything like that, it's just a great place to be. Everybody comes together. Everybody likes to have a good time. So it's, it's super fun. Hey, man. Hey, you forgot about Rockets, man. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Rockets. See, the thing about Rockets is, is, you know, I'll promote Rockets all, all I can. But I think I've had Rockets one too many times. It's not, uh, it's, it's kind of kind of taking pizza off my food pyramid a little bit just because I've had it, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, one too many times. So well, for me, it's just going because I just have it every once yeah. in a while. Well, it is nice for you because if you do come visit IU, it's something that, you know, you go out, have a good time with your friends and where else are you going to go get a nice big slice of pizza for, you know, two bucks. So especially like, with inflation going on, dude. Yeah, absolutely. We're all broke college students. So we need to, you know, we need to get that happy meal, but in pizza form. Oh yeah, man. So Jake, um yeah man i can test that you know i can see why i, I use just a, a fun school to hang out with your friends make lifelong memories and then uh, talking back about the nook boys jake you better post all the stories all the pictures so you know you can see me being a fanboy freaking out saying no way and all that good stuff absolutely dude i anything that i can possibly do tonight i'm going to do it because it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, they're super cool guys. You know, I'm kind of getting older in a sense, but it's one of those things where, you know, why not take the chance while you can? So I'm going to do whatever I can. And, you know, you'll be the first person I send all those videos to. Appreciate it, dog. You know, hey, you only live life once. You know, life is short. So why not? You know, YOLO, baby. Oh, yeah. So moving on. So continuing on with this road to the NFL segment, I've been doing all summer. Like, so I've been covering every division in the NFL, and I decided to have Jake on to cover the AFC South. And the AFC South includes the Indianapolis Colts, the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, guys, this is probably the weakest weakest division in the AFC, and then this is probably the division that Jake and I are the most familiar with since we're big, huge Colts fans. So, Jake, what do you have to say about this division as a whole before we get into each team? Well, I will say um, football has been kind of grown in knowledge and in, in terms of, you know, the past couple of years. Um, I love the Colts. I've always loved the Colts. Um, and it's super cool to see, you know, some of the moves they made. Um, but like you said, Cheese, I mean, this is probably the one conference, you know, that we're we're able to, you know, actually understand from a whole. Um, but I would I would say in terms of this this whole division that we have listed, it's just it's it's real tricky to me because at the very beginning of the season, you know, every year it's, you know, these same four teams, but when you get like halfway through the season, there's at least one of them that are doing something that you didn't even expect. But I think this year, and my honest opinion, I have a really good gut feeling about the Colts. I think the Colts are, you know, finally making moves in the right direction. Um, getting some younger guys, um, got a great O-line, um, you know, Matt Ryan, obviously coming in, you know, a veteran quarterback has crazy experience in terms of, uh, excuse me, in terms of helping, you know, the younger guys like Pittman, um, you know, come in here and, you know, be elite.
But them compared, you know, the the Titans, the Jaguars, the Texans, I think this year, you know, if Derrick Henry doesn't have an, you know, absolute phenomenal year, um, it's going to be, I think, the Colts out of, out of anybody in terms of, you know, my predictions and just what I'm familiar with. I think the Texans have a pretty rough year. Um, they've been on a decline for the past couple. Um, the Titans, you know, they're great, but I always feel like, you know, they're kind of always in a position where at the end of the year they got to, you know, there's a couple games that they have to win. Um, and I just feel like, you know, I don't really feel like they've made progressions. I see them being the same team and I see it, you know, being a year where, you know, your predictions here, you got them at nine and eight. Um, but I don't know, man. I just, I think that, I think that the, the Titans aren't going to pull it off. I think the Colts are going to be, you know, the top tier team throughout most of the year. So, so yeah. So love, love what you just had to say. So guys, what I had in my projected division standings is that uh, first place, Indianapolis Colts going 11 and six. Their division record going four and two. Second place is the Tennessee Titans, which started going nine and eight, which with a division record of three and three. The third place is Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going five and twelve, and their division record is like the t- Titans. They're uh, going three and three in the division. And the last place, like Jake said, since you know we don't have too much high of expectations for them, is Houston Texans. Texans going two and fifteen, which with a division record of two and four. So, Jake, did you have similar standings like I did, or what do you have? Um, I mean, I, I honestly, um, just kind of talking to you about what your predictions were, I agree with you. I think, you know, I don't think that the Jaguars are going to have too great of a year, but they're definitely on the top of my list in terms of probably doing something that no, most people aren't expecting. Um, we touched base on the Colts, obviously. Um, you know, I'm super excited to watch them play. Um, I don't really think that they're going to have any problems. I think that they're finally going to tie it together. Um, but in terms of, you know, Jacksonville, um, I think that unfortunately it, it really kills me to say this, but we all watched the, you know, playing uh, playoff game last year when Jacksonville beat Indianapolis, um, just a gruesome football game to watch. I mean, it was just absolute and utter embarrassment, but I think that, you know, they feed off of that because, you know, they played loose in that last game. And I think that, you know, once they realized that obviously they were under Harbaugh at the time, but, you know, Doug Peterson, you know, he's the major upgrade, obviously for him. Um, from Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer kind of had, you know, kind of a, a duff season, really didn't expect things to be as, you know, different as they were compared to college football. But Doug Peterson's a big offensive guy. And I think Jacksonville's going to, I don't think, you know, I think I like him at three, um, but I think that their record's going to be, you know, I think they're going to win about seven to eight games this year, um, just in terms of them, like, you know, being loose. They knew they were bad last year, um, but they're at the top of my list in terms of just talking about the AFC South. Um, just because, you know, I feel like, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be comfortable now um, going into his second year and, you know, they're going to, they're going to do some things that people aren't expecting. So that's kind of, that's kind of the main thing I pull out of that just because, you know, everything they had to offer last year and what, you know, they're doing in the off season and, you know, where they go. Yeah, Jake. So speaking about the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson, like you mentioned, um, I think all the players are going to buy into him based on what he's done in the past. I mean, come on, he's he's won a Super Bowl with Philly. So, of course, with when you're going to bring in a guy with previous experience like that uh, into, like, you know, an inexperienced young Jaguars team, of course the guys are going to, like, buy into him. And he's a way better upgrade from Urban Meyer. I feel like Ur- Urban Meyer was such a, you know, big joke to the team to where the coaches didn't re- uh, respect him. Neither the players respected him. So I think this is a well fresh, you know, needed uh, Jaguars offseason they needed. And then they also got, you know, players in free agency, not the best players, but some mediocre players like wide receiver Zay Jones 
and then Christian Kirk from the Cardinals. So and then they got a, a pretty decent tight end and Evan Ingram. So like you said, Jake, I feel like they're gonna make improvements from last year. I mean, from this year, but I don't expect them to be a playoff team because we. I've said this many times in the podcast. The AFC conference as a whole is a gauntlet, man. So yeah, man. So Jake, I mean, can you expect you know good performances you know throughout the year from Jacksonville? Yeah, and like I think that ties into our conversation that I was just kind of touching base on. You know, Urban Meyer, he's a great football guy, great, great minded. Ohio State, extremely successful. Um, but I think that, you know, when you make a jump to the NFL, you know, you come in as a first year coach with a first year quarterback. Um, obviously, he was familiar with Trevor. I think Trevor and Urban were a really good fit for each other. Um, but in terms of, you know, veterans on the team, you know, players that have been in the NFL for, you know, five, six, seven years that are experienced, you know, live the everyday life. You know, I think it's kind of hard for a team to really rally around somebody that, you know, is in their first year. Um, and also, you know, Urban Meyer got into a few altercations, you know, throughout the season that were all over ESPN, you know, with the whatever those girls are, that girl or whatever at the bar, you know, hanging out with the young people. I just don't think Urban Meyer really, you know, admired the fact that, you know, he had this role that, you know, he had to partake in. I think that once once he saw, you know, the, the poor start of the season and saw their record and there was really no chance for them to, you know, build off of, you know, the mistakes they made, you know, I think he kind of gave up. And I think the players fed off of that. And, you know, it sucks for Trevor Lawrence because we saw him in college and, you know, he's remarkable. He's tall. You know, he's fast. He's got a cannon for an arm. And it's 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 kind of sad, really, in a sense, to see somebody that's in our division um, that gets, you know, a top tier prospect like that drafting them first overall. And, you know, not really giving him the tools and resources he needs to, you know, be successful. I'd really, I think the whole moral justification of, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars is like, you know, they kind of just showed up to play. I don't really think there was ever any, you know, team bonding. I don't think there was any building capabilities. I just kind of think they played football um, without, you know, the proper coaching. But bringing, um, bringing Peterson in, man, I, I mean, he's like you said, he's got a, he's got a Super Bowl ring under his belt. I mean, it's, it's something that players are like, okay, this guy's been there. And, you know, if, if I'm, you know, I played baseball my whole life, if I'm going to, you know, let's just say I go to, you know, the MLB and I get drafted by the Dodgers, you know, they're always a successful baseball team. You know, they're always, you know, in the race for the pennant. And if I'm obviously not going to be starting out, you know, at the major league level, if I'm playing under a coach that, you know, has been there and, you know, veteran players that have been there. I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to, you know, build up my athletic capabilities to, you know, find a spot on that roster because I want to be a part of that. So I think bringing a coach in that, you know, has the experience, has been there, uh, will allow them to, you know, really work hard in a sense to, you know, get him another ring, but also them because you're going to want to play under a guy that knows how to get there. And I think, you know, getting him in there and getting um, Urban Meyer out, is definitely a good choice from a moral aspect of, you know, getting a team together, playing together and, you know, doing what they can to win. Yeah, man. And then the, like, like, uh, like I said, you know, hiring Peterson was probably the best thing the just Jacksonville Jaguars team could have gotten, you know, it could be way worse because I feel like Peterson's really going to help develop Lawrence to be a better player and a better quarterback. And then what, what makes the Jaguars such a, you know, an improving team is that they really, the G management really, you know, upgraded the offensive line because they signed free agent Pro Bowl offensive guard Brandon Sheriff the from the Commanders. And that's really going to help Trevor Lawrence this upcoming season because he had a hard time. I mean, the offensive line had a hard time protecting him. Wouldn't you agree, Jake? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, 
it's just, I, I mean, like I said, I mean, the past couple of years, I've really grown to, you know, understand football from a sense, but I think Urban Meyer was more of a quarterback guy. I don't really think he understood, you know, college is a lot different than NFL and you can definitely tell when new players come in. I mean, nobody really ever comes in and, you know, makes a huge impact. Jonathan Taylor being one of the few first to, you know, actually jump in and, you know, start doing some pretty remarkable things. I mean, it's a very rare occasion, but I think, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence back there in the pocket, very uncomfortable. And I think he was focused more on, you know, doing what, what needed to be done, but there wasn't really any thought process around, you know, what needed to be done to protect him, to give him time to, you know, see other things. I didn't think he had enough time to make decisions that he was making at Clemson because at Clemson, I mean, we can relate. We watch him play. I mean, there was a few times where he would be in the pocket for, you know, seven to 10 seconds and, you know, then he would have time to roll out and, you know, still have time to think. And I think Trevor Lawrence is a very smart guy, but when you go from college to, you know, pretty much having the luxury of never getting hit, you know, he, he had time to relax and to really find who he wanted to throw to, even if he wanted to run. So I think, you know, getting Urban Meyer out of there, that's probably solely just a quarterback focused coach, um, you know, allows Peterson to tie the whole team together, you know, to build trust in your line, to build trust in your offense, to know your defense is going to get, you know, their offense off the field. Um, that way you can go score again. And it's one of those things that, you know, it all comes back to that moral aspect, you know, get a team that you can trust. And, you know, once, once you can trust the coach, once the players can trust each other, you start going to dinner, you start playing video games, you start hanging out, you start working out together, and, you know, everybody becomes friends. Then, you know what, Trevor Lawrence's offensive line is just sitting there, and they're like, yeah, we're going to protect this guy, because, you know what, they're friends now, they built this family aspect, and I think that's, you know, the main thing to pull out of the Jaguars is now they've only got room to grow. You know, they're not, they're not going to fall back, they're obviously still in rebuild mode, but it's like they were, they went all the way down and they reached a point and now it's coming back up slowly. So that's, that's my opinion on the Jaguars cheese. Yeah. I like the in-depth depth take you just uh, said, cause you know, the more positive things that happens to this team, even if they don't make the playoffs next year, but once they see like improvements, then, you know, there's going to be more positivity around the team and more positivity means, you know, more team bonding and more, you know, I get your back. I got your back, you know? And none, and none of that like selfish like stuff, so and also Jake, it, not only the Trevor Lawrence has like you know uh, improved offensive line and some improved weapons in the tight end and wide receiver position, but he has some pretty decent young uh, running back duos in James Robinson and Travis Etienne uh, to you know take some pressure off from him. So that should really help them big time, especially in the long run, because like I said, these uh, running backs are young and they're not veterans, so you know like so. Like I said many times, they're gonna. Be, I feel like they're gonna be good in the long run. So Jake, talking about their tough schedule, they had the so obviously they had the Titans twice, the Colts twice, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Eagles, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. What do you have to say about this tough schedule, Jake? You know, in terms of you know speaking on the division, I think playing the Colts twice. I think the Colts, you know, it goes back to that you know utterly embarrassing loss we had um, to go into the playoffs last year. Um, I think Colts beat them twice with no problem. Um, you know, I think the Colts are well manufactured to, you know, get the job done. Um, we got a veteran quarterback now. You know, we have Jonathan Taylor. We've got Pittman that I feel like is going to grow progressively throughout the year. But we have a solid defense. But I think I think the main thing to touch on in terms of their schedule, um, I think the Titans, I think they split with the Titans. I think they get a I, I think they get a solid, you know, second win. I think Titans beat them first, but I think they get a solid second win off the Titans. Um, to kind of boost that stamina a little bit, get their confidence going. Um, like I said, I think the Colts, I think the Colts get them twice. Um, Chargers, 
I don't know about the Chargers, man. That's a tough one because they're a pretty solid fundamental team. I've seen them kind of, you know, screw up here and there. But, you know, against bad teams, the Chargers have always had, you know, history in terms of, you know, them being good the past couple of years to, you know, get the job done as well. But I think I think the uh, I think Jacksonville puts up a pretty good game against the Chiefs. Um, I think the moral to what I'm trying to say is, is I think, you know, Jacksonville goes into certain games, like let's say in terms of last year where, you know, if you're sports betting, you're obviously going to, you know, you're going to pick the team that's playing against Jacksonville because why not, right? I mean, why would they win? But I think Jacksonville is going to kind of come out of the blue here, kind of like the Baltimore Orioles in baseball. Um, now that they, you know, are on their road up and, you know, I think they're going to get a couple big wins under their belt. I don't think it's really going to do anything in terms of them, you know, seeking a playoff run. Um, but I think it's going to be kind of like an upset uh, year for, you know, certain teams in terms of, you know, maybe the Chargers or the Chiefs or even the Cowboys. I think Jacksonville at least gets one or two of those wins to, you know, allow them to build that confidence and say, OK, we can play with the big boys. Um, not saying it's, you know, going to be in a crucial game where it makes a decision of them making the playoffs or not. But I think that they get a couple of big wins off their belt and, you know, they progressively kind of start growing and they won't be at the bottom of the division like, you know, they have in the past few years. I agree. I feel like they're going to really, you know, you know, really put up a fight against, you know, good quality teams this year and not just, you know, give up like they've been the past couple of years or, you know, all the times we have watched the Jaguars in our lives. So, you know, uh, I think we pretty much covered the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, pretty good. Jake, do you have anything else to say about this team? No, I think we I think we touched base pretty well on them. Actually, I didn't even expect to, you know, go on a rant like that about them. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm Like I said, I'm a Colts fan, man. But I'm excited to see Jacksonville kind of build up because, I mean, like you said, it's it's not it's not a very crazy division, but it'd be cool to see, you know, this team, this division is, a, you know, a group of teams that are, you know, in the process of figuring it out. So it's going to be exciting to see over the next, you know, five years what these teams do um, in terms of building up and, you know, potentially being one of the toughest divisions, you know, in the NFL, just because, you know, most of them are in a real uh, rebuilding process from a certain standpoint. So it, it'll be cool to see, you know, the teams that have always been at the lower totem pole. Um, start climbing their way up. Yeah, for sure, Jake. I mean, like we said, this division is known to be always weak. You know, it's always been a two-team race between the Titans and the Colts. So, Jake, talking about, let's talk about more about the Colts, man. So, I feel like, you know, obviously, Matt Ryan, it's awesome they got him from the Atlanta Falcons, and they only gave up a third-round pick from him. So, it's not like they gave up, like, multiple first-round picks. So, I feel like that's awesome. I feel like he's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, and I think he's, you know, he has a way better football IQ than Carson Wentz. He has, you know, the best running back he's probably had in his career in a long time with Jonathan Taylor to, you know, take some pressure off him. And he has a really good offensive, excuse me, offensive line with, you know, Ryan Keller. Ryan Kelly in center, all pro uh, Quentin Nelson as your offensive guard. So tell me, so I want to know what you have to, what do you think about this offense? You know, I'm excited about this offense, really. I mean, I think Carson Wentz, um, you know, my grandpa's a big Colts guy. Um, I hang out with him a lot during football season. He's worshipped the Colts. I've went to many Colts games with him growing up as a kid. Um, he grew up in the Peyton Manning era, obviously, the Andrew Luck it's 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 very exciting for me to see you know I know that Indianapolis has had such a problem in terms of finding a you know a set quarterback you know for the Colts you know it's hard to find a Peyton Manning it's hard to find a Tom Brady that stuff kind of just comes out of nowhere um but I think grabbing Matt Ryan you know had been a part of the Falcons you know for who God knows how long I mean it's just Matt Ryan just you you think of the Falcons when you think of Matt Ryan and I think grabbing him um, gives me the the standpoint to know that he's a veteran. He knows how offenses work. 
And it goes along with, you know, our young offensive line, our young offense. We got Pittman, um, which, you know, in your notes, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Pittman was obviously not going to be open at all times. But I think Matt Ryan with, you know, the mindset he has on football, how close he is with Tom Brady, all these veteran quarterbacks, you know, he's played with the best of the best. And I think that, you know, he's humbled in a sense to allow these young guys to feel more comfortable. Um, you know, they're not going in there with a new quarterback that has no idea what certain defenses are. I mean, Matt Ryan has seen it all. And is Matt Ryan going to be our quarterback for the next five years? No. But I think the Colts are very smart in terms of picking him up because we are chasing the Super Bowl. I mean, we are we are close. And I think that this is definitely a year where you could look for the Colts to, you know, be that team. Um, but I think it's a great move overall in terms of, you know, strengthening up our offense um, under Matt Ryan to, you know, get them ready for, you know, the next, you know, QB prospect that we bring in. And you were talking about Ellinger. I mean, dude, I saw uh, that. I mean, that man can run. I mean, I was like, what is going on watching that preseason? I think in terms of the offense, if, if Matt Ryan can tie everybody together, you know, get them to understand, you know, how different defenses work, you know, he can do his thing. He's got Jonathan Taylor. He doesn't have to worry about the, you know, passing the ball every single play. Um, because I'm more than confident that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to do what he has to do. I mean, he proved it last year. Um, it wasn't really a sporadic moment. I mean, that man was consistent all year round and I had him on fantasy. So props to me. I have him again this year. I think we're in that same league together, by the way. Yeah, we are. And you got Mahomes as your quarterback. So that's such a great deal, Jake. But anyways, go yeah, on. Absolutely. And like it was I got lucky to get that. But I mean, the sole justification really is I think Matt Ryan is more of, you know, kind of like, you know, these this this young offense of the Indianapolis Colts, this great offensive line we have you know, is in, you know, student mode to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is the professor to them. I think, you know, after this year and maybe next year when, you know, we finally do get ourselves a quarterback that, you know, is young and, you know, has potential to, you know, you know, be a franchise player. I think that, I think that he, you know, logically helps our offense, you know, act a little bit older than they are because he's, you know, his knowledge in football is something that like you don't really get. And, you know, trading that third round pick for him, I mean, it's it's a steal in my opinion, because I think after a couple of years, as I was saying, he's going to suit our offense up, you know, to really allow the new guy to come in and feel more comfortable rather than being the new guy with a bunch of young guys and being like, you know, what the hell am I supposed to do? You know, I think I think Matt Ryan is the professor. I think he's going to, you know, make a big, big standout uh, this year. Um, he means business. I think the Colts are going to tie it all together as long as we can stay healthy. Um, and I think it only builds the mindset, you know, for success up, you know, after he has gone and we do find our franchise guys. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, Matt Ryan is a great guy, great quarterback. You know, he's got a great family. And as much as, you know, Carson Wentz was a great guy, he had to go, man. I mean, he just, Facts. he had to go. He was, uh, I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything, but I mean that watching him play sometimes I, I almost went and bought a football helmet and, you know, showed up to Lucas oil stadium on Sunday. And like, dude, like you guys need somebody that needs to be a quarterback. So love it, man. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's my opinion on him, man. I mean, I, I think, I think Matt Ryan's a great choice. I I'm really excited to see what the Colts have in place this year because, you know, opportunities are endless and we've been so close with, you know, not really much. And if we get this guy and get everybody down to the wire, you know, I think it's going to be a really exciting run. Yeah, man. I just really like you kind of like what we touched on earlier, what Mark Cuban's kind of told you or what you got yeah. from him is not rushing things. I feel like Indy's like taking that type of advice concept by not rushing things. You know, they got Matt Ryan for a good two to three years, right? Which gives them plenty of time to really scout for, you know, 
their franchise QB, right? Or if not, already have a franchise quarterback with uh, Sam Ellinger because you never know. Uh, Matt Ryan can take him under his wing and Sam Ellinger can learn so much things and improve on his game to where, oh, crap, we we have our, you know, franchise QB just kind of like uh, how Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers was, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's all about, it's like you said, it's a great, you know, analogy to tie it into like, you know, the Mark Cuban conversation because I'm glad we talked about it. But it's like, it's like these players are playing, you know, under this quarterback that, you know, has been there for quite some time. And, you know, these two, three, four year guys that, you know, are still getting used to, you know, the daily process of being, you know, an NFL offensive player. I mean, just an NFL player in general, even the defense. I mean, I'm sure Matt Ryan is, you know, teaching the defense about, you know, certain quarterbacks because he's played with them. I mean, he's been in the league for some time now. Um, but I think like it just ties into him being, you know, a teacher. You know, he's he's a teacher. He's a coach. And it's it's only beneficial for the young guys to be able to play under somebody like that because they can sit there with the mindset like, look, Matt Ryan has been here for quite some time. He understands this and it gives them the ability to really sit down and listen and learn and grow um, because he has been there before. And, you know, look at his success. I mean, Matt Ryan is a dog. I mean, I, I love Matt Ryan. He's got that great mindset. And the thing that, you know, kind of ties me to liking him as well is he's so positive about his players. I mean, I James Boyd tweeted and I and I noted this down. But there was just a segment, you know, uh, Matt Ryan on his chemistry with Michael Pittman, and he quoted, the way he works makes it easy for a quarterback like me to be on the same page with him. And, I mean, that's a veteran quarterback talking to, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., fresh in the league, you know, obviously has endless amounts of time to improve. But the fact that, you know, they meet each other, don't even know each other for, you know, a year, and, you know, they're already having this chemistry just allows, you know, you to understand that the trust aspect that ties into Matt Ryan. I mean, if he's saying that about Michael Pittman, you know, who has seen to, you know, be a hothead in certain senses, um, but for the most part, you know, pretty well, well put together guy. I mean, you've got a veteran quarterback going up against, you know, a fresh in the league wide receiver that, you know, they trust each other already. And that's something super promising to see. I mean, he's commenting, he's a great player, makes it, you know, very easy. Um, you know, he's very talented, incredible worker. I mean, you've got a veteran quarterback that has been in the league for forever you know talking about you know a young offense like this so i mean it's it only leaves room for hope it's just it's cool to see you know the, all that tie together and that's what i love about you know looking forward to watching the colts this season yeah jake i love the positive vibe that the teams are going like that the team itself is going around the locker room i love that i love hearing that as a fan and it's better for the team obviously so that way you know it's positivity so that way they're more dialed in the more you know having each other's back kind of like what we talked about earlier and then um, it's awesome to talk about Matt Ryan. He's over. So, yeah, he has Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame numbers, but he's so overlooked by, you know, the other, you know, QBs we grew up, Jake, in our childhood with Tom Brady, uh, Philip Rivers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Peyton Manning. He's overlooked by those, you know, Hall, other Hall of Famers that we don't really give Matt Ryan the credit he deserves. And then not not just talking about us, but just other NFL fans as well, Jake. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, Matt Ryan, very successful Hall of Fame numbers, but I think Matt Ryan has never really had the opportunity to have a team that he has now. I mean, I think the Falcons never really grew to the potential they needed to grow to. And, you know, he got to a point where, you know, it was obviously time to leave. I mean, I'm sure that he didn't want to leave. I'm sure he wanted to be a full-time franchise quarterback. And it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, to see him you know, go, go through like a Peyton Manning phase where he, you know, was with the Falcons forever, left with the Broncos, went and won a Super Bowl, And, you know, then he, you know, comes back and, you know, shares a part in, uh, with the Colts. I mean, he's obviously got a statue out front and I'm sure 
sometime down the road, Peyton Manning will be, you know, back with the Colts, you know, coaching or, you know, just helping out in some certain way, because that's just where he came from. Um, you know, you see Reggie Wayne coming back now, um, part of the Colts coaching staff, helping the receivers. It's just cool to see that. And I see Matt Ryan being a guy like that. I think it's finally time for him before his football career is over. Um, so, you know, transfer over to a team that, you know, has endless capabilities to do whatever they possibly want to do. And I think you got the right guy with the right mindset to teach everybody, um, you know, and go out there and get the Colts and get Matt Ryan a, you know, Super Bowl ring, put us back on the map. And it'll eventually be time for Matt Ryan to call it quits. And, you know, who knows? He probably goes back to Atlanta because that's, you know, that's where he built his career. That's where he did all of his, you know, attributes. That's where he made all of his stats. So it's just cool to see a player, you know, leave, you know, such a great organization that he's been a part of for so much uh, time and, you know, contribute to us. You know, we've obviously played against him a few times, but, you know, it's he's not selfish about it. You know, he wants to win. So bringing somebody in that, you know, wants to get that ring with the, you know, the staff that we have, with the players that we have, it's extremely cool to like, you know, see that he's open to doing that. And I think that's why I feel so promising about it because all it tells you with him coming to the Colts is he's out to win and he's sitting here making great connections with our players and, you know, doing whatever he possibly can to be successful. And, you know, it's only going to provide positive results. Yeah, man. He, you know, I think hopefully it's his redemption time to, you know, go back to the Super Bowl, but win this time, with the Colts, that'd be awesome to witness because he did have like that one chance back in what the 2016-2017 season, but yeah. blew it against the Patriots. That was, you know, awful game for, I mean, that was, you know, awful for him to witness, obviously, and to play in, but, you know, redemption time. And then, Jake, yeah. man, like, I like how you say, you know, all the good things, you know, we have a good offense, you know, we have, you know, a good veteran QB to help us win games. But also, we also have a really good defense, I feel like, you know. We still have, we still have Darius Leonard, which is, you know, he's the maniac. He's all over the field. We signed Stephon, Stephon Gilmore, which he's a poor bowler cornerback, which which he's well really needed since our uh, secondary struggled, man, last year. Yeah, well, my, my biggest thing on the defense, um, and you kind of touched base on it too, um, but I watched the, the Hard Knocks Colts on HBO. I'm sure you've watched it too. Yeah, I hated uh, the, the last couple of episodes, man, because yeah, we all it, knew we all knew that, you know, what was coming. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, the cool thing about that, though, is you see how close the Colts really were as an organization. You know, there was obviously some tough losses, but, you know, that Saturday night win against the Patriots that Jonathan Taylor last I was there. Year. Yeah, you were there. That last minute touchdown run. It was cool to kind of see how they reacted to all that, but um, in terms of the defense, I'm extremely excited to see Quiddy Payne, um, you know, improve. He had a great year last year, um, and that also ties into, you know, DeForest Buckner. I love DeForest Buckner. That man is an animal. And I think that, you know, if those two are really, you know, going to buckle down and, you know, do what they did last year, but also have an offense, you know, to, you know, give them points to, you know, be a little loose, like looser on the defensive side, I think. I think they have another year, another show out year, and it's it's definitely going to be exciting. Yeah, and, we also we also got the Yannick uh, school from the Raiders yeah, with, yeah, to help yeah. our D line. So yeah, man, that's going to increase the uh, the production of the D line. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. I was also going to mention. I mean, I hope Darius Leonard can be healthy. Um, he's he's a key key guy. I can see him kind of being a hothead. I love I love Darius Leonard. I love him to death, but I I can see him. You know, kind of having a meltdown, but I hope everything stays solid with him because if it is, I mean, that dead dude is an absolute, you know, monster. I mean, what's the, what's the nickname they give him? Um, the maniac. 
the maniac. Yeah. I mean, that dude is just unbelievable. Um, but the, the biggest exciting aspect of the defense, I think, is, you know, signing the Pro Bowler, Stephon Gilmore. Um, we, you know, in terms of Indianapolis, we were great on the run game. I mean, we were absolutely great. But in terms of, you know, improving your secondary, I think Stephon Gilmore is a huge attribute. You know, Pro Bowler, uh, cornerback, you bring him into the secondary, he's got experience, you know, he's been to the pro bowl. He, he know he knows what he's, he knows what he's doing. He's a great player. And I think he's also a learning standpoint for some of the younger guys in terms of, you know, boosting the defense, making them more aware of, you know, what's to come rather than, you know, obviously giving up 30, 40 yard passes for touchdowns. Um, so I think that is honestly the biggest key transition for the defense, as long as everybody stays healthy. So Jake, talk about Stephon Gilmore. So Jake, I love how we got Stephon Gilmore because, like you said, he helps like the younger guys, and he's he takes pressure off Kenny Moore, the third or the second, whatever his last name is. But anyways, Kenny Moore had a Pro Bowl season last year, Jake. But towards the end, since like I said, he, I feel like he all the he had all the pressure in the secondary. He let some crucial touchdowns go towards the games when we really needed to win for us to make the playoffs. You know, he let Hunter Renfro. You know, you know, score on it a couple of times. He struggled against the Jaguars. So adding Stephon Gilmore really he I feel like he's gonna let Kenny Moore. I mean, he's gonna help out Kenny Moore a lot. And I feel like we're gonna see Kenny Moore improve. Yeah, no, Kenny Moore, he was also another one on the hard knocks that I really like to watch. He was, you know, a very big community guy. Um, I think he won the uh he won the uh, nomination for the uh Walter uh, Payton the, Award. Yeah, the Walter Payton Award for the Colts. Um, and it, it's really cool to see somebody that's such a good guy, but also wants to learn and, you know, be successful in terms of football because that's his career, but also give back to the community. But, you know, in terms of sports and stuff, I can, I can see him really following Stefan Gilmore. And what makes me excited about it is, you know, there was an interview um, with him, you know, during preseason um, in Westfield at Grand Park. Um, Stefan Gilmore just quoted that he was like, uh, he's, he admitted to being salty about ending with Patriots. Um, and it kind of excites me really to kind of hear about that because, you know, if he's salty about that and he made the decision to, you know, come to the Indianapolis Colts, um, because of a contract dispute, that just means he's like, you know, felt like he was being cheated and he's, you know, ready to go somewhere where he, you know, ties into, you know, being a good fit. And I think that ties into our offensive play, um, just to allow him to be comfortable on the defensive side, be patient, know that, you know, they don't have to, you know, stop all the time. Um, but in terms of him being salty, it really hypes me up because, you know, if I'm on a team and I'm not feeling like I'm being treated fairly um, and I end up going to another team, it's because, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the positive and, you know, leaving all of the negative, if that makes any sense. And it's it's really it's really cool to see that, like, you know, he committed, um, you know, to just doing business and committed to the Colts because it's it's all about the growing aspect. It's about like allowing your younger guys to learn. And obviously the Colts are pretty damn young. Um, so it's super cool to, you know, see that he's going to come on here and, you know, in terms of Quiddy Payne and, you know, more, all of them. I mean, it's, it's somebody that they can look up to. It's somebody they can learn from because he's had the experience. He's been, been to the big games, you know, he's seen, he's seen the real light of the NFL. Um, so it's extremely cool to see that our young guys will have that opportunity to, you know, follow a leader like that. Heck yeah. I love it, man. I can't wait to watch the defense this season. And Jake, before, you know, we talk about the Colts tough schedule, well, Jake, one, a couple of things that were worry about me about this Colts team that uh, I'm scared about. 
I'm worried about the left tackle position. We really haven't had a solid one since Anthony Constanzo retired, man. Since yeah. you know, uh, Eric Fisher struggled, man, and you and and you, you know, we all saw it, you know, since you know, we saw Carson Wentz got sacked from the blind side. Yeah, and I mean, I think he, I, you know, that was. See, I, I think uh, that's a tough one, Cheese. That, that's that's actually a pretty tough one. But I, I think that in terms of him, I think Matt Ryan kind of adds uh, a little, like, safety belt to him, if that makes any sense to you. I think Matt Ryan is obviously a little more experienced um, in the pocket. Carson Wentz, in terms of my opinion, just kind of seemed sporadic. He didn't seem comfortable, didn't really have a right idea. But I think, you know, Fisher being over there, I think – you know, they watch film every day. I think he learns, um, you know, from his mistakes, but I also think, you know, Matt Ryan coming in, you know, kind of gives him an opportunity to realize, you know, how Matt works, how Matt, you know, moves around in the pocket. And well, I think, that, I don't think he's not part of the team anymore. I don't think. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's, I. Uh, well, the positive thing about Jake, this um, it's between the third round pick Bernard Raymond from central Michigan and Matt Pryor. Yeah, to compete for that lob tackle starting spot. So you have a rookie, a uh, potential good rookie coming in versus a, a veteran. So that should be good competition to really solidify that lob tackle spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it kind of ties into you know how we started the podcast. Really, it's like kind of following you know from people that have once been in your footsteps. And I, and I think, in terms of the offense, we saw our mistakes last year. Um, I. I think Pryor's the best fit, honestly, you know, in terms of like, you know, the knowledge, the learning capabilities, but I, as, as much as we've talked about it, I think it really ties into, you know, Matt Ryan understanding offenses and, you know, allowing his players to, you know, do what they want to do, but also know how he moves and how, you know, how he's comfortable in the pocket. And I also think it ties into Jonathan Taylor too. I I think, you know, Matt Ryan's known for being, you know, a great passer. He's obviously not going to, you know, run the ball every time. He's no Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. But I think it kind of, you know, I think Matt Ryan, in terms of his his veteran mindset for being a quarterback, having Jonathan Taylor to, you know, get some pretty big runs to allow the pass game to not be used as much as it needs to, because I know a big conversation last year was like, you know, what was the motto for the Colts last year? Run the damn ball. And I think having that with the quarterback we have now um, allows the offensive line to, you know, adapt to when they're running, when they're passing. And I think they've had plenty of time now to figure out how to adjust to that and, you know, be comfortable in a sense of having more of a system in terms of offense, not always being like, okay, we're going to pass. We're going to pass. Okay. Here's one run. And then we're going to pass and we're going to pass. And here's another run. I think it's going to be able to be mixed in and I think they're going to be a lot uh, are able to contribute everything that they've learned in practice and what they're, you know, what got them to the NFL and use that to be successful. And that's why I think, you know, what we were talking about earlier, it's Matt Ryan, you know, given that, you know, educational, you know, mindset to him, like, look, this is, this is how it is. We're going to get into a system and, you know, hopefully we don't have to see, I mean, those hats are pretty cool, but I mean, hopefully we don't have to see our fans trying to, you know, be our offensive coordinator. Yeah, man. You know, man, Jake, after that take, man, that kind of makes me feel better, man. Cause like I said, you know, as a Colts fan, I, I really worry about these little things because, you know, it really pissed me off that, you know, we didn't go to the playoffs, you know, it just, that still carries on as Colts fans. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was definitely one of the worst football games I've ever watched in my entire life. Facts. And Jake, Another worry I really have is that like, the lack of depth of the right receiver group. Yes, you already mentioned that Michael Pittman's, you know, really good. He's a really young receiver, but I feel like the team should have really went aggressive 
in free agency or in the offseason to really get us, uh, you know, a good veteran right receiver to be educational as well. Like, you know, it would have been awesome, Jake, if they would have got Julio Jones to, you know, re- reunite with Matt Ryan, man. Yeah, I mean, that would have that would have been a huge move. And I completely agree with you. Um, Alec Pierce is definitely somebody I'm looking forward to, you know, watching um, in terms of, you know, being in, in the wide receiver group. But the biggest thing I honestly thought for some reason, I don't know why it was even talked about as much as it was, but I, for, you know, for a good amount of time thought we were for sure getting Odell Beckham. Um, I thought that that was like in the bag, um, but that obviously fell through. But, you know, it is going to be a challenge. I'm worried about that, too. I think it's going to be tough. But I think Matt Ryan, in terms of what he has to say about Pittman, you know, he's, you know, able to learn. I think people follow Pittman, too. It'll be kind of a scenario where, you know, it may not start off as great, but I think as the year goes on, you're going to see a heavy improvement in, you know, how these guys run routes, how they respond to their quarterback, because a wide receiver quarterback, you know, relationship is key to an NFL team. And I think, you know, everybody that we have are going to be able to, you know, tie them together so that everybody's on the same page. And if there are mistakes made, which there will be, you know, it gives them room to grow and understand where they messed up and, you know, give them an opportunity to fix it. So I think what you're going to see from the wide receiver group, you know, in the Matt Ryan quarterback position is, will there be mistakes? Absolutely. But I think as the season goes on, you're going to be able to like visually recognize you know, all of the changes that are being made because Matt Ryan's experience, you know, and Pittman's, you know, relationship with him, because I think he will be the go-to guy. Um, But I think after they see that relationship, everybody will just follow in place. And as you watch the season go on through, you know, the weeks coming up, I think you're just going to see nothing but improvements because, you know, it's a young team willing to learn from a veteran quarterback. Yeah. Well said, Jake. And to add on to that, if defense coordinators are going to be focused on Pittman, why not, like players like Alec Pierce be a sleeper, you know, take advantage of being open. So that way, you know, they surprise teams, you know, kind of like, you know, how everyone focus on players like Darren Water and the Raiders or, yeah. you know, their other receivers. Freaking Hunter Renfro was a sleeper, you know. He took advantage. Uh, Hunter Renfro took advantage of getting open. And since uh, Davis Coiners like slept on him, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. And that's what makes me excited about it. Do we have a strong receiving core? Absolutely not. Is there's going to be room for improvement? But it also opens up the door for us to have a sleeper, somebody that, you know, when they do scouting reports, they're not going to sit there and focus on this person so much. You know, you may see Pierce come out in a game and, you know, have 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns. I mean, it's it opens the door for possibilities that weren't expected. Um, if, you know, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, it's, it's, it's definitely something that it's kind of almost like a cheat code for the Colts. Really. You know, we don't have any huge name wide receivers, um, you know, like Julio Jones or, you know, like back in the day, Ocho Cinco um, or Randy Moss. I mean, we're not, we don't have any extreme veteran guys, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, a hidden blanket, you know, like an invisible cloak, you know, it's it's guys that are just out there playing football that haven't really had an opportunity to, you know, present themselves and give them opportunities to make big plays, um, you know, sneakily. And people will be like, oh, like, where the hell did that come from? So I think that's kind of the advantage to it because we have such a great quarterback that has, you know, the knowledge and the mindset and the visualization of like routes and where people need to be. And I think it opens up opportunities for them to build their career and have a bigger name than they started out with. For sure, man. Like at the end of the day, like we said many times, uh, Matt Ryan's a way better teacher than Carson Wentz, and he's more calm, more relaxed, 
and just has more confidence than wins. So overall, I think we should be fine. So thank you, Jake, for like, you know, making me feel a little bit better. Yeah, so, time, man. Just yeah. give me a call. Yeah, once uh, one last so one uh one last take on the course before you know we move on since we talked about the course for a long time. Sorry, but not sorry since we're huge big Colts fans. But let's look about let's look at their schedule. So we they obviously got the Jaguars twice, the Titans twice, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings, and the Chargers. So before um I let you get your take on the schedule, I it just sucks that you know teams like the Eagles we always lose to them every freaking year, and teams like the Steelers we lose to them every freaking single year, along with the Jaguars we always lose against them at least once every single year. Yeah. Um, I'll go back. I know I touched on it when we were speaking on behalf of the Jaguars, but I think the Colts easily pull two from the Jaguars just from that stab in the back we had last year. I think that that's just an unacceptable loss. I think that that is going to be the one, you know, trademark to the year that we're all going to sit and the whole coaching staff is going to be like, look, this is never going to happen again. Like, absolutely not. Um, I think we take the Jaguars twice. Um, in terms of the Titans, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Um, I don't really think the Titans are – I think the Titans are going to struggle this year. Um, there's something about them. I think, you know, they've had a couple years of a decent run. I think Derrick Henry coming off of um, his foot injury, I don't think he's going to be as aggressive as he was. I think he's going to kind of, you know, be in that mindset of I don't want to get hurt again, so he's going to kind of play careful um, because he's really, you know, the key to their offense. I mean, that man is an absolute dump truck of a running back. I mean, I would not stand in the way for him unless he offered me like two and a half million dollars. But I think I think we pull out two against the Titans. I think one of them is a close one, but I think we pull them out. The Chiefs, man, I would love to get a solid dub off the Chiefs, man. I, I'm not... I got Patrick Mahomes on my uh, fantasy, but I think it's more of a jealousy aspect, really. I just that that dude does some crazy stuff in terms of playing football um, that I've never seen a quarterback do, um, and it's, so it's hard to watch him completely terrorize, you know, a team that you followed your whole entire life. Um, kind of compared to you know Josh Allen off the Bills when we watched them play uh, last year, that was just I mean, uh, like, or yeah, a tough subject. I just I hate watching you know quarterbacks absolutely torch the Colts. Um, but that just goes with our defense getting a little stronger. I mean, we'll have to see. But yeah, I think we got the Jaguars twice. I think we take the Titans twice. I think we give ourselves a good standing um, in our division. I don't know about the Chiefs, man. That'll be a tough one. Um, but if I had to go between the Chiefs, the Patriots, um, Raiders, um, or the Eagles, I would have to say we pull out a big win against the Chiefs. I think we struggle against the Raiders. We always have. Um, I think the Cowboys will be an interesting one. I'm anxious to see how the Cowboys play this year. I'm tired of seeing stuff on Twitter. It's our year or whatever, you know, they're (laughs) right. Um, because it just seems like the same thing, but then again, for the Colts, I mean, it kind of is too, um, not worried about the Vikings at all. And then obviously Herbert with the chargers. I don't know about that. Herbert's a good guy. Um, but you know, the chargers, chargers are solid, man. It's, uh, they're, they're an interesting team. Um, so I think if we're going to win that one, I think, you know, it'll be, it'll be like a very big momentum win, but in terms of our division opponents, I think, I think it's just, I think we got in the bag. I think the Colts are well above everybody else in the division and there's no reason for us to, you know, lose to these teams when, you know, we're chasing what we're chasing with what we have. Exactly. Jake. And just, Hey, uh, side note, Jake, I'm going to that chargers game. So it's a Monday night primetime game the day after Christmas, man. So it should be a fun one. Yes, sir. So, Jake, like you said, like with everything we have just said on this podcast about the Indianapolis Colts, 
we should have no excuse to not win the division. Or if not, worst case, just in case, Titans make a surprise run during the season, make a wild card spot. Yeah, no, that's that's. I think that's a great way to put it, Cheese. I think in terms of everything we've been through, our quarterback changes, you know, rebuilding, we've got everything we need, honestly, except for that quarterback position. And now we've got a guy that's got the brains. He's got the fundamentals. You know, he's got the mindset to, you know, be successful, go win a Super Bowl ring. I don't think the Colts have any excuse. I think if the Colts completely shut down and have a terrible year, we need to get a whole new coaching staff. I think we need to change some things up big time. Um, so this is a big year for the Colts. I think a lot of people are excited to watch him. Um, but more to what you were saying, you tied it together well. There is absolutely zero excuse for the Colts to, you know, be in contention for a division-leading spot. I think that it needs to be a definite given. Yeah, for sure. So since we talked about the Colts, you know, way too long for some people, let's move on. But, you know, horse, hey. horse. <laughs> But, hey, J- Jake, you know, you're doing a good job, man. So let's talk about the Titans. So, Jake, what makes you – you said earlier in the podcast that you can see them struggling – a little bit and you said some things about that can you go more in depth about that please yeah um i mean i'll touch base again derrick henry coming off the foot injury like i said he's an absolute dump truck of a running back but i think he's you know it's a psychological thing really i mean i've even dealt with it in baseball i had shoulder problems and once it you know got serious and i got healthy again it was always something i thought about and i never really wanted to throw as hard as i could because i thought i was going to injure myself again um, but that just ties ties into, you know, every athlete. It's just a psychological thing. Um, I don't think he's as explosive. I think, you know, he's going to play careful. You know, he's he's not as young as he used to be, and I think he wants to, you know, stay in the league. But I don't really think he's going to be as explosive as he really was. Um, and then also, um, I was touching base a little bit with your notes too, but I also noticed this. The Tennessee Titans made the stupidest thing I think I've ever seen in the offseason, you know, trading away A.J. Brown to the Eagles for a first round and third round pick. I I don't know why you do that. You can't just solely run the ball every play. Um, That was that was a big one. And I'm glad that you had touched base on that, too. I just I think the Titans are like in a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think the Titans are like stuck in a spot where they can't figure out how to, you know, become worse, but they can't figure out how to become better. They're right in the middle, mediocre. Yeah, they're just stuck. Like, and it's like been the same thing for like the past two years. And like whenever football is on, and I love sitting in my room, you know, on Sundays and watching football, but there's something about watching like, and this goes for the Houston Texans as well. There's something about watching the Texans and watching the Titans play that I just like can't, I, I hate watching them play and I can't figure out what it is because I just feel like it's the same damn thing. Every time I watch, like all the players look the same. I feel like everybody plays the same and it's been that way forever. And I don't understand like why, like, it's just, I, I can't figure out that team in a sense, if that, if that's uh, making any sense to you. Yeah. Jake, but that makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is that the Tennessee Titans, right? Last, this past uh, last season, they were the number one overall uh, team in the AFC. You know, they got that first round bye, or didn't yeah. they? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's like, they, you know, they, they get all this hype and like out of nowhere, like, oh crap, the Tennessee Titans. And then like, like then all of a sudden they just fall off. Like they had never even been up in that position in the first place. It just, it it's all just, it makes no sense to me. Like they're like that sleeper team. That's good, but you don't think about, and it's, it just doesn't sit right with me. And I, I absolutely despise the Titans. I don't know why. It's just like, I don't, I don't like watching them play. Like they don't really seem to like change anything um and significant right yeah it's just it's just hard to watch them as a team really it's just i the difference between them and the colts is you see the colts like 
although we've been close, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, being successful and going up there and winning the Super Bowl, we've had some, we've had our problems, but in the off season, you can see these moves they make and, you know, what they do to get better. And it's like, you, you see the progress coming. It may not be happening right now, but you see it. But with the Titans, it's just like, I feel like, you know, they're not even a part of the draft. Like they're not a part of the off season, nothing. I just feel like they just, you know, sit there. Yeah, they waste, like, they don't use their sources well, you know. They don't no. use their draft picks, you know, what do you call it, wisely, like the Colts do. Which, Jake, once you mention that point, I'm really thankful for to be a Colts fan, you know. Yeah, it's just, it's cool to see an organization that really, like, you can, like, see almost inside to, like, their, you know, their meetings and, like, you know, their conversations. You can see, you know, all of these higher-ranked guys. You know, you've got your your, your general manager, you know, you've got your head coach, you've got you know, everybody coming together and doing whatever the commissioner, everybody's coming in and doing whatever they possibly can, you know, probably arguing, probably talking back and forth, but it's all in the justification to ensure that, you know, the Colts have what they need to win. And you can like see that from the media. You can see that from, you know, local news. You can see it from their training camp, um, from what players have to say, but like for the Titans in a sense, I don't know if it's because we don't live there or what, but it's just like, I don't ever see anything like that. So that's why I am grateful to be a Colts fan. I agree to that, brother. And man, Jake, seriously, if you take away Derrick Henry off the offense, especially with A.J. Brown not being on, on the team anymore, they probably have a similar record with the Jacksonville Jaguars this upcoming season. Wouldn't you agree, Jake, since you said they're a yep. run first team um, offense and they, and 90% of their offense is pretty much Derrick Henry? Yeah, and that's why that's what doesn't make any sense to me, and it, it kind of sucks for them really because I feel like it ties into you know them not having a great year just because all they're going to do is rely on him, and the more they have to rely on Derrick Henry, the more probable chance there is for Derrick Henry to you know psychologically tweak himself out, or who knows, maybe he does hurt his foot. I mean, I wish the best for him. I hope he doesn't play well against the Colts, but other than that, I hope he you know plays well. But I, I don't think a team can really you know have the you know attributes and you know be as successful as they were. Um, out of nowhere and rely on one guy after getting rid of AJ Brown. Um, you know, you can't necessarily just run in the NFL, you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor, you know, played a huge part in that last year, but it's, it's something that, you know, as, as we're getting, you know, older and the, you know, these players are becoming better and better, you know, you see all these college wide receivers coming into the NFL. Like it's just like CD lamb. It's like all these, you got to pass the ball. I mean, it's just, it's a definite has to happen. And, you know, they're getting more athletic, so I think, you know, relying on, you know, Derrick Henry to be, you know, their main guy in terms of him coming off a foot injury is something that, you know, they're going to have to change like rapidly because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, Jake. Jake, I want to tell you that I really like the psychological aspect you explained, that analogy when you talked about, you know, your shoulder in baseball. That yeah. really, that I never really thought about that, honestly. That's awesome. And I'm pretty sure the audience, you know, has to like that as well. So, yeah, thank you about that. Yeah. So, sorry. Go on. Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to tell you, I mean, it's like, it's not everybody thinks about it that way, but I'm fortunate enough to sit here and, you know, my knowledge on football isn't su super crazy or anything, but, you know, from like a psychological, you know, aspect of being an athlete in general, I mean, you, I go from never getting hurt to, you know, and playing baseball my whole entire life in my senior year of high school, I break the first bone in my body ever. And it's like the end of my thumb. And, you know, after I did that, I mean, even to this day, if I like, you know, I'm, I don't even play sports anymore. I mean, I work out and, you know, I'm active. I'll play basketball and stuff like flag football for intramurals. And, you know, I like to, you know, be active, but there's certain situations, you know, sometimes we're like, if I like move my thumb the wrong way or something, I think about it. And, you know, that just goes into being an athlete in general. 
So, you know, Derrick Henry goes off that foot injury. He's not going to just come back and be like, oh, yep, I'm healed. Let's get it going. You know, he's always going to have that thought of like, I hope I don't have to sit out this season because if my foot doesn't stay healthy, I'm going to have to, you know, it's, it just all ties into that. And like, regardless of who you are, if you're the God and the goat, Tom Brady, you know, you're still, you know, you're, you were hurt at one point and you don't want that to happen again. So you're always thinking about it. Yeah, man, Jake, I love hearing new perspectives. And then, you know, this is a big reason why I have this podcast to learn more things or hear new perspectives from different things. I'd never heard, you yeah. know, from the other side. So yeah, thank you once again. So Jake, I want to ask you about uh, Malik Willis, you know, you know, I feel like Ryan, Ryan Tannehill Loki has pressure into the season because, you know, they drafted a rookie quarterback, you know, and, you know, yeah, he may not sound like he's not nervous, but I feel like he does some way. Yeah, I mean, I can see the nervous aspect. Um, You know, Malik Willis, I don't know. It's just Tannehill, it just, it all ties in, you know, it all ties into like, you know, Tannehill being, you know, Tannehill. It's just like the same, the same thing. I don't think he ever really plays difference. I think, I think he's a very like down to the grit quarterback. Um, but in terms of Malik Willis um, in the preseason, watching him a little bit, you know, I think it's a solid fit for him. Um, I think it gives them an opportunity to, you know, run an offense where he can come in here. He kind of gives me a Jacoby Brissett vibe. If you, if that makes any sense to you. He's kind of a guy that, you know, you can rely on to, you know, spruce things up. I think that it's a solid move for him. It's it's a quick learning curve for him, but I think it's a solid move to, you know, try new things um, if you're picking that up. Um, gives them a little bit more leeway with, you know, not having a receiving core and only relying on Derrick Henry as a running back. You know, I think it gives them a mobile aspect from a quarterback um, a little bit more than Tannehill. Um, it kind of gives them some trick play or some, you know, bizarre scenario plays that, you know, teams aren't really expecting. Yeah. And uh, Jake, honestly, from the reason how I can see the Titans like being really good this season is because, you know, either a, you know, we talked about they're getting carried by Derrick Henry B, you know, they do have a really good defense. You know, they sometimes rely on weight, sometimes way too much. And three, is that sometimes, you know, they go into these, into these, like, you know, good winning streaks sometimes throughout, the, you know, these seasons, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. But in terms of, like, you know, the Titans coach, there was a – I was looking into this actually a little bit the other Mike day. Mike Rabel, his, his yeah, name is. Yeah, Rabel. Um, I always forget his name for some reason. I, I, I forgot about his name too, but it just popped in my head. Yeah, probably because the Titans aren't important to me. But, you know, he was talking about, like, his experience of knowledge, um, you know, of the Titans offense. Um, couldn't beat out Willis's stronger armored legs, especially as the rookie showed weekly improvements since the start of the team's rookie mini camp in mid-May. Um, but he quoted, he can beat you throwing in pocket. He can beat you outside the pocket throwing. He can extend plays, and then he can also beat you by turning up and running. Um, and, you know, Mike Rabel had said this um, of Willis after their preseason finale last weekend. Um, so there's a lot of guys that were going to defend like that. Um, and it's extremely difficult and I couldn't agree more. So it's definitely kind of like something that's up on the table and it kind of gives me an unsure, um, aspect of, you know, them kind of, you know, not knowing necessarily what his role could be. It's kind of like a confusion kind of stuck, um, in glue, but I mean, he's, he's a very mobile quarterback. I mean, he's had explosive gains running. Um, that's exactly what the Titans had talked about operations better, but there's obviously some things that need to be improved. So I think, you know, obviously Tannehill is the main focus, but I think, I think, you know, Willis will get some opportunities to show himself. And if he does, I mean, you know, obviously the the limits are endless. I mean, he, you know, may have an opportunity to step in and do some different things that 
help out the Titans. I mean, who knows? That's just a prediction, but it's uh it's going to be an interesting one for sure. But I I don't I don't really see him getting much playing time. I think they're they're sitting on Tannehill, and I think Malik just has to kind of sit back and learn really. And you know, if the opportunity does come, you know, great for him. But it all kind of ties into the Titans, man. I mean, like what I said when we started talking about him, it's just, a, you know, they're just – I feel like they're just so unsure of everything. The only thing they're sure of is, you know, giving Derrick Henry the ball. I think that's the only thing that they're sure of. But at some time, that's not going to be, you know – that's going to end at some point because, you know, like you said, he's, yeah. you know, slowly declining slowly, and, you know, he won't be as explosive as he was the past couple of years. Yeah. And, and then – um. Oh yeah, I agree with you, Jake. With you know, Wilson, you know, sitting back, you know, learning under Tannehill, whether Tannehill likes it or not, to learn from him, at least for this year. I mean, if Tannehill, if Tannehill chokes once again, like the past couple of years, I feel like you know they're gonna let Tannehill go and then let Malik have his time to shine, Jake. Yeah, and I mean the the thing that confuses me too, and it ties into it ties into the whole like being stuck in terms of not knowing. But I mean. Tennessee trading up a third round pick to make Willis the third quarterback taken in the NFL's draft at number 86 overall. I mean, that, that was the highest draft pick that Tennessee had used on a quarterback since uh, taking Marcus Mariota um, in 2015 at number two overall. That's a long time. If you think about it. Yeah. It's what it's like 2022 now. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, why, what are, what are they thinking when they're doing that? You know, are they like, you know, trying to, weasel Tannehill out or are they getting you know are they trying to switch things up at some point it's just like you don't know like it, it doesn't it makes sense but it doesn't so that's what kind of confuses me about it because the first time since 2015 from taking Marcus Mariota at number two overall like they obviously see some kind of aspect that they want to build off Malik so that's why you know seeing him you know this season it's like are we gonna see him like what what's his purpose right now you know if that makes any sense to you it, it just it's just weird to think about like why they would do that um don't make it clear yeah jake you would think you know they would give Tannehill like one more solid chance with them you know having a you know a mediocre backup and then yeah. if Tannehill doesn't like you know work out then you have next year's loaded qb draft class i thought they would be patient enough you know yeah and that's another thing too i mean next year's qb draft class oh man i'm yeah, that'd be very interesting. That's why I'm excited to see what Matt Ryan does this year, um, because I truthfully feel like if the Colts can, you know, secure a, a Super Bowl, I think Matt Ryan, you know, hangs them up. I think he does. But then again, I also think that, you know, the Colts, I don't think we're going to be in contention to have an early draft pick. But, you know, in terms of the whole quarterback talk with the Titans, you know, it's obviously very, very weird to see like what they're doing, because um, obviously it kind of seems like they're starting to explore some other options. So Tannehill may be on the table to go somewhere else. Um, but it's, it's definitely interesting. I don't know like what they're planning on doing. Maybe they're suiting it up to, you know, give Malik some experience, you know, later on in the year, if Tannehill's not doing it. And then if the record's not really great, it gives them an opportunity to snag a good quarterback. I mean, there's a, if we could be in the conference room and talk about why they made that decision, I'm sure we would obviously know a lot more, but it's just one of those up in the air things, man. It's just, it's, it's kind of cool to do these podcasts and talk about all these teams. Cause you get all this information that you don't really even know about. And it gets your mind, you know, going in a thousand different directions because then you start thinking, you know, as a general manager for an NFL football team and what's best for your team. And it, it just starts, you know, giving you different, you know, viewpoints of things. And that's that's what's super cool about doing this. Yeah, man. It makes you want to be a GM sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes me want to sit in there and tell somebody who's who we're drafting and why. And they have no option, you know. You know, uh, you know this is why we do this, man. So, Jake, uh, talking about their tough schedule. So, 
honestly, they have a schedule similar to the Colts, but Jake, here, here's this point. They, I feel like the Titans have a bit tougher schedule than the Colts because they face the Bills and the Bengals along with the other, you know what I'm saying? Like along with the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Packers, do you have to face the Packers as well, the Chargers and the Cowboys? Yeah, and that's why, you know, Cheese, when you had your rankings, you got the Titans at second. I mean, you know, I still see them at second, but I don't I don't see them. I see them more of, you know, like an eight and nine record. I don't think I don't think in terms of their, you know, their schedule. Like I said, we talked about the Colts. I think the Colts get them. The Bills, I think they get Molly Watt by the Bills. I, the Bills are just, you know, a very fast, you know, fast paced moving team, you know, Josh Allen, big quarterback, but can run. I mean, he's got, he's an MVP candidate, man. Yeah. I mean, he's got endless opportunities to throw the football. Um, I think, you know, I think that, I think that the Raiders uh, Raiders are going to be an interesting one. Um, I think that they have a decent year, but it's just going to depend, but I think the Titans may play a pretty good game against the Raiders. Um, but the, the big one on here that really draws my attention is the Packers. You know, I'm excited to see Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have Devontae Adams anymore, but it's, it's, I think Aaron Rodgers, after all the adversity, all the COVID stuff he was going through, you know, the decision of coming back or not, I think, you know, I think that the, uh, the Titans get it, get it thrown at him at the Packers. I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be a bad one. I think that that may be, you know, and this is obviously just a prediction, but I think it's where they have to, you know, make a decision to what Malik has to offer, because I think, I think the Packers absolutely blow him out of the water just in terms of what the Packers offer and, you know, what the Titans have to offer. But I think their schedule, you know, it's obviously a little tougher than the Colts. Um, but I think the big name teams on here, I don't think the Titans have a chance with. I mean, like I said, Jake, you know, there's sometimes, you know, you know, the last couple of years, you know, they, they have a, you know, a losing streak at times. But I don't know where they beat some good teams throughout the season. So I think yeah. hopefully momentum doesn't go their side for us Colts fans. But yeah. honestly, like we said earlier, the Colts has no excuse to win this division over the Titans. Oh, absolutely not. So, Jake, let's uh, talk about the last place, Houston Texans. So, Jake, I want to hear your take on why the Houston Texans are last place and why you don't have any high expectations from them. You know, the Houston Texans have always been the team. I feel like, you know, sometimes I get that that mindset. It feels like the Colts play them like every game of the season. Um, I don't know why I feel like that, but there's something about the Texans. There's just no um, – there's no, like – there's no drive to him really. Um, I don't think that they really make room for improvement. They had Deshaun Watson and, you know, they had JJ Watt and, you know, they, they lost some pretty big names in terms of, you know, building up their franchise. Um, like they, Deshaun, um, like Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I feel like, you know, and then, you know, they, they lose JJ Watt and like, it's just, it's like, you know, I feel like they're not really taken into account of what they have, they had to offer. Um, and I think that, you know, they're obviously in a complete like rebuilding mode. And I think Davis Mills, like, obviously he's got, like you mentioned it. It's a, it's a last chance, I think, for the Texans as a whole. I think this is going to be the year where, you know, they find some guys that can stick to their roots and, you know, like show that there is progression or it's just going to be all out complete loss. And they're just going to have to, you know, completely shuffle it all out and rebuild and give them, you know, probably, a good five to 10 years to even, you know, be up in contention for anything important. The Texans man is a, is a tough one. I don't, I don't like talking about the Texans really just because, I mean, I just don't like them. I think that, you know, in terms of football operations, they haven't made the greatest of choices. And, you know, like you said, you mentioned incomplete rebuild mode. 
I feel like the Texans have been in rebuild mode for, you know, since I can remember even watching football. It's just one of those things. I just, I don't see them, you know, making any improvements and I, I can see them having a fallout year. Um, and I can honestly probably see the Jaguars doing a little bit better than them. Oh, for sure, man. But Jake, I'm going to be the nice guy. And the positives about this Texans team is that Davis Mills is, you know, the second year Davis Mills guy quarterback. He's a pretty decent NFL starter. You know, I think he did a better job than his draft class and at least half of his draft class. And then him and um, Brandon Cooks have good chemistry. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, I, I think Davis, I mean, watching him a little bit last year, he's not, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad guy in anything. Him and Brandon Cooks, like definitely improving with like chemistry um, because they did, like you said, have it last year. They had two first round picks this year. So that's, I mean, that's a plus for him. The third overall pick, uh, Derek Stingley Jr., I think, right? Yeah, from LSU. Um, yeah, LSU, yeah. Um, that should definitely improve their secondary. I, I think that's a pretty solid, like a solid pick for them, to be honest. Um, but in terms of the line, just protecting Davis Mills, um, and like when I went through your stuff, you'd mentioned it too. Um, it was funny kind of how our minds were coming together on it. Um, but Kenyon Green, uh, Texas A&M guy, um, he's big, solid guy, very, very great college career. I think he's going to kind of have a standout. But but what the biggest thing, honestly, of the whole, the whole podcast, and I, I really liked what you said here, and I'll touch base on it, I, I didn't really compare it to Chicago or Seattle. Um, but in terms of, you know, improvement and development of the Houston Texans, you can't focus on winning. You just need to focus on doing things right. And there's a big difference in terms of, you know, improving as a team by winning and improving as a team by losing, but understanding what mistakes you're making and fixing them. Because every team can go out there and score touchdowns. Every team can go out there and have one guy run for 150 yards like one day if they want. But even if you lose, I mean, you still have to pull the positives away from a loss to allow yourself to understand where you're at and where you're going. And I think that that was a really key point that you put in your notes, Cheese, because it allows you to understand that you can develop and grow as a team and you don't necessarily have to win every game. I appreciate that, Jake. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Jake. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about being realistic, honestly. Because look at the Lions last year. They didn't really focus on wins. I mean, yes, they strove for wins, but it was all about development. And look at them now, this upcoming season. They're, you know, they got some key offensive pieces to improve, and they're really focused on wins since they got, they made, what do you call it? They learned from their mistakes, you know, and they got that confidence booster in them, momentum. Yeah, and I I love being an athlete and being able to talk talk about it, excuse me, because it's like, it's one of those things where, where am I trying to go with this? It's it's like, you know, obviously I was never in the NFLs, never in the MLB, none of that. But, you know, as an athlete and you play the college level, regardless of, you know, where you rank in it, you know, athletes and sports are all the same thing. There's been plenty of games that I've played in throughout my life that, you know, it's been a great game, but we've lost. But, you know, I've had the pleasure of being around some pretty great baseball minded people um, and just sports in general. And, you know, you have these meetings after games, you know, you go over the game. And, you know, you're obviously disappointed, you're pissed off, you lost, whatever. But, you know, if you've got a good a good coaching staff, you've got good players behind your belt, you know, you, you understand how to build as a team by pulling all the positives away from the negative loss. And I think that if the Texans are able to pull all the positives away um, from their losses, because I don't think that they're going to have too great of a year, I think it'll allow them to, you know, maybe get a couple more wins under their belt to, you know, really see – what's going wrong, how it's going wrong, and how to fix it without trying to win every single game. Yeah, well, so Jake, and then you know what? I don't feel like we should go over their tough, their tough schedule because what's the point, you know? 
I mean, yeah, we shouldn't expect them. We should expect them to win against like powerhouses like the Chargers, the Raiders, the Dolphins, yeah. the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna. They're the tough schedule. I mean, I think that their whole year is gonna be tough. I think that every game, regardless of who they play, they're gonna have to come out and prove themselves. I think, you know, you listed the you listed their tough schedule here, and I think that you know it's extremely accurate, but. It's one of those things, man. I mean, you have to you have to understand that they're gonna be they're gonna have to play it game by game. They can't sit there and you know expect to win. You know, like these other teams, expect to win the first three games and then you know run into somebody that they got to focus on. I mean, it's got to be a scouting report, you know, every single week, and it's got to be like your O and O every week. Yeah, it's all about them, you know, really watching film, really learning from the mistakes, you know, not really focusing on the wins. Like I said many times about the Texans, focus on development and be be realistic. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, like you said, since we don't, since you didn't, you don't like talking about the Houston Texans as much, there's really nothing too much for me to add on my part. What about you, Jake? Uh, I mean, nothing really. Um, I don't mind talking about them, but obviously we're both pretty big Colts fans. Um, but, you know, in terms of the division, uh, just to kind of sum it up, really, um, main focus is the Colts. I want to see them have fun on the field. I want to see them play great. And, you know, Indianapolis needs that old Colts team back. I mean, it's it's electric to be a part of this city and a, a part of this state when the Colts play well. And, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see how the division works itself out. And it, it's going to be it's going to be extremely fun, you know, as long as everything goes right, you know, knock on wood, um, just to see the Colts kind of outshine this division and, you know, be be who they were supposed to be. Um, and, you know, I wish the best for all the other teams. I really hope they grow because I want this division to be a division that everybody looks at like, oh, oh, crap, here we go. We and not as a joke. Yeah. Like, you know, it doesn't just fall under the Colts or we Colts fans. Absolutely. But, you know, I want it to be like, you know kind of like travel ball. And I, I like, you know, relating back to like baseball and stuff. Yeah, because, of course. We like you're hearing new perspectives. Like I said, yeah, it's like, you know, I played for the Indiana prospects and the Indiana bulls, but you know, they were in a category of being, you know, top five teams in the state of Indiana compared to like the nitro or like the outlaws or like the bandits or, you know, Alex team, the flipping frogs. I mean, it's like, there's like a select group of teams that are good that everybody knows about. So if you're a part of a conference where everybody can thrive and be good, it's only better for the Colts because, you know, in trades and stuff down the road, that's where players want to go to the conferences that are tough to allow them to get better. Yeah, man. Better competition means, uh, it means a better team or a better individual. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's had a pretty successful career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from jumping from like AFC East to the, from the AFC to NFC, then that's not uh, always so easy, man. So, no, absolutely not. so anyways, Jake, you know, I'm, I pretty much, you know, I have no other takes from the AFC South. I mean, you pretty much some summarized the division to conclude, honestly. So yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, honestly, cheese, this has been great. I, um, first podcast I've ever done. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure being on here, man. I, I'm glad that, you know, we could talk about it. Sucks that we kind of had to wait a few days, but finally found some time. Love talking football. And hey, it worked out with the IU stories earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's honestly probably destined. I think that you're about to have a podcast that just blows up now because it just, you know, was delayed and all this stuff happened. And now we added it to the podcast. And here pretty soon you're going to get a DM on Instagram from Milk Boys. So what's up, my guy, Cheese? Dude, that'd be awesome. That'd be, dude, that's the goal, man. I mean, it's a, it's a far goal, but it's, you know, why not try for it? But anyways, Jake, Jake, it's time for the cheesy question today. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. So for those of you that don't know what cheesy question today, it's pretty much like a off the wall type of question to wrap up the podcast. So Jake, today's cheesy question of the day is that 
Where would you go if you had a time machine? Where would I go if I had a time machine? You can pick um, more than one, like, you know, experience or instant if you can't come up with just one. Wow, geez, that's a tough one. You got my brain moving now. Um, if I had to come up with something off the top of the top of my head, I would probably say if I had a time machine, I would probably go back to when Tiger Woods won the Masters right after his uh, – um, his, uh, uh, back or his, his leg or, or I can't remember what injury it was, but he came back and won the masters and I would take a time machine and go buy tickets to go see that big golf guy, you know, that, and we've talked about golf obviously. Um, but yeah, if I could get in a time machine, I would go back and I would, you know, invest every dollar I had in my life to go see Tiger Woods win the masters. Cause I've never seen him golf. You know, he's getting down to the end of his career. Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, big golf guy. That's definitely probably what I would have done. Um, but cheese, what's yours? So wait, uh, before I, I answer mine, so that injury, was that after the car accident, right? Yeah, it was right after his car accident, yeah. Uh, so not a couple years ago, but still, it'd be cool to experience that. Yeah, I mean, it's just extremely electric. I have a, uh, I have a screensaver on my phone. Um, it's from, uh, it's this most recent Masters, but it's a practice round um, when they, the, you know, they play before the Masters start. And there's like 5,000 people around the first tee box at Augusta. I mean, it's just a practice round watching Tiger Woods play just because of how iconic and how much he's changed the game of golf. Um, I love Tiger Woods. I've got a Tiger driver cover. Um, and that's what, you know, it's just a historical moment in sports. I love sports and, you know, I've grown to love golf. And if I could go back and, you know, just be a part of the atmosphere and just see him, you know, win that Masters and how much it means to him, you know, you know, his dad's not around anymore, but, you know, how much it would have meant to his dad, you know, it just, ties into all that e60 stuff you see on espn and it's just cool it's just like very overwhelming in a sense it gives me chills when i talk about it when i see it all that stuff and that's why i would go back to it yeah man such an iconic moment and i don't blame you one bit so well geez if you had a time machine when would you go back to so i have two just because this question was so pretty good you know of mine so if i had a time machine i would go back to blink 18 Blink-182's last concert before they broke up back in 04 in Europe when they were, like, selling out, like, arenas, man. They were in the peak of the career. Dude, I would, like, dude, Jake, I watch YouTube videos of those last concerts before they broke up because, you know, they're iconic, you know. I mean, the crowd was just going crazy, and I would do anything just to be in that crowd and, you know, cheer them all, you know. No, absolutely. Not knowing, not knowing, sorry. No, you're good. And we have like, you know, like uh, angels and airwaves, man. I mean, we, we, we know that we know some of those musics. You slid up on my story like one time and I put sirens on there. And I mean, dude, I could listen to that song over and over again. And it's super good. So I can only imagine how you feel about, you know, going to those sold out arenas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that was uh, I was going to finish with this line. So, you know, cheering that crowd on little to know at that time that they will break up, you know, within like the next couple months, you know, and then within like the next year angel and airwaves waves be born you know yeah absolutely it's just what's crazy and my mom is a huge blink 182 fan uh my mom's not really a big party or anything but when uh, my my aunts her sisters uh, were younger and they used to come to like you know verizon wireless music center now known as ruoff um you know my mom i've heard some i've heard some stories from my aunts about my mom you know huge travis barker fan 
um, wanted, you know, she was trying to jump up on stage and, you know, go crazy. And they, I remember being on road trips and stuff and my mom would always listen to him. So I know exactly what you're talking about. People loved him, man. I mean, it was, it was a super great music category, put on great shows and it would have been awesome to be a part of it. Yeah, man. I have to like talk to your mom sometime about that, you know? Yeah. And Travis Barker was at Ruoff not too long ago with MDK. Yeah. And Machine Gun Kelly. So yeah. Deeply regretted missing that one. So, Jake, here's my other uh, my other time that I will go back to. And you will love this, Jake. So I will also go back. If I had a time machine, I will also go back to the time to attend the Cubs World Series uh, Parade, which was the seventh largest largest human gathering in, in world history, man. Yeah, that was uh, it's actually funny you say that. I actually was going to say I was thinking, but I mean, I obviously love golf, but very emotional moment to see the Cubs win the world series. If I had another option, if I could do it, um, I would definitely go to game seven in Cleveland and, you know, watch Bryant scoop up that little chopper and throw it over to Rizzo and watch him put it in his back pocket, man. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy stuff right there. Um, But the biggest, but the biggest thing in comparison to that, and it still gives me chills if you look it up on YouTube, but everybody's standing outside of Wrigley field uh, that night. And, you know, nobody's like watching the game. They're only watching the scoreboard outside and it just all of a sudden goes from like the score and then it just says Cubs win and the place just went absolutely electric. Oh God, man. And the thing that all of this had to happen our senior year made our senior year more iconic, more awesome. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just like the older you get, the more you like start to fall into like love and sports and understanding the history and the tradition that these teams have. And that's why I love it because like it gives you chills and it gives you something to look forward to. Yeah, man. Like, Oh my gosh. I'm just, Brings me back nostalgic, you know, memories, just thinking about the Cubs run, you know, uh, me always going to Alex's house, watching it with his family, along with other people, just watching it all as fans, this, you know, once in a lifetime, you know, watching the Cubs breaking the Billy Goat curse. Breaking the Billy Goat curse. Yeah, no, it was it was extremely remarkable to see that uh, my family's, you know, from uh, Minnesota, Chicago, Aurora, Chicago. Um, all up, you know, around Lake Michigan. So we've grown up Cubs fans and, you know, my grandpa actually mentions that he, you know, broke a tear. He's like, you know, I finally saw it. And it's just like, it's crazy, man. After 108 years of playing baseball every year, they finally do it. Yeah, man. Like super thankful to be alive during that time. And right now, obviously, but yeah, man, such an iconic moment. And Hey man, that was a cheesy question today, Jake. So man, like Jake, I want to say thank you so much for joining this, for joining the podcast and man, you did a hell of a job, man. Seriously, I had a great time talking with you. And this is my longest podcast so far. Uh-oh, here we go. No, seriously, geez, I appreciate it. Um, obviously, we had some some things pop up. Uh, schedules weren't lining up too great. And then you had that, you know, Wizard of Oz storm come through your hometown. So I'm glad your power's back on. I'm glad your food's staying cold in the refrigerator. And um, it's been a pleasure having me, man. Um, I will definitely do this again with you whenever you're interested. I uh, love sitting down and chatting with you. And you know, keep it up. Like all I got to say is, you know, it takes, takes a lot of guts to really stick to it and do stuff like this. So proud of you. I'm glad what you've done and hopefully you continue to grow my guy. Thanks Jake. Appreciate it. And maybe, you know, uh, to maybe bring you back on if you end up partying with the note boys, just to talk about that experience. Cause that experience itself could be a, a whole another podcast. And that's what I love at the po- about the podcast. You can talk about anything and go really in depth and it's yeah. really, and it's really our conversation. It just, I let the people listen to our conversation and let them agree or disagree to this stuff. No, absolutely. That's what I love the podcast. I mean, I listen to the podcast. I listen to the full send podcast. I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen to 
you know, endless things. And it's just, you know, I've actually been in talks with my friends and stuff about maybe trying to like start something up just because it's, you know, a group of people sitting down just talking about anything and everything. And, you know, people like listening to that it gives them something to do. I mean, you can only listen to music for so long, you know, so it's cool to just, you know, get together and chat, and, you know, talk about football, talk about baseball, talk about milk boys, you know, talk about, you know, beating you in spike ball, whatever we want to talk about. So, but yeah, super cool. And then like, and then to add on to what you were saying, it's learn, it's awesome to learn about new perspectives. Like, you know, what you were experiencing like with the injuries, the psychological, like, you know, not try, like thinking about like back injuries, you know, I mean, think about not wanting to get injured again, you know, that those psychological yeah. aspects. Yeah. No, I'm 100% with you. You learn, you just see a whole new side of things. Yeah, man. So, yeah, once again, thank you, Jake. And uh, you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on Facebook. See ya. See you later.